Good morning, everyone. It is indeed a pleasure for me to be here. Professor Tibbetts, thank you so much for that introduction. <clears throat> I know exactly what he's talking about. We never talked about it, but I can tell you I went home that day and I told my husband there's a book called Pete the Cat and we have to buy it because in that video, Pete the Cat was shared and at the time my son was not, he had just made one. So we went home, I went home, I told my husband we got Pete the Cat and we read that story to Grayson. He knows that story and actually, Professor Tibbetts doesn't even know what I'm talking about today, but I can tell you what, the message from Pete the Cat goes perfectly with the message that I'm gonna talk to you guys about today. So I was asked to share my story, and I will, I will, I will do that, I'm gonna share my story. But in doing that, I want to talk about the scripture that's on the board behind me, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. And in talking about that, as I share my story, I'm gonna tell you times where I had to keep my heart. I'm gonna tell you some struggles of times where I had to keep my heart. And uh, at the end, I want us to just be able to talk about what does that mean and what do you actually have to do to keep your heart? So again, keep thy heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. So for fun, on the next slide, I have translations because again, we all may have different versions of different uh, Bibles that may say different things. And even though I have a King James uh, version that I typically use, in my mind, when I think of this scripture, I think of guard your heart with all, all due diligence because out of it comes the issues of life. So I know that I need to guard my heart. <clears throat> But again, in order for me to guard my heart, I have to know what does that mean? So I attend Corner Church. In Corner, we talk. So we will do that here today. So before I jump into telling my story, I want you guys to take about a minute to talk, confer with the peer who's sitting next to you to your left or your right. And I want you guys to talk about how do you keep your heart with all diligence? So let's take a minute. It's okay, talk, let's do that. <laughs> <clears throat> So for the talkers, I ask you guys to swap. Now the next person you share, how do you, how do you keep your heart? I can tell you guys, the sound from here is music to my ears. I love to hear this. The hardest part is when I have to say, okay, I have to bring it back forward. So I'm pretty sure some of you probably said, well, I don't know. And that happens a lot of times with scripture. You can read something, but we really don't think about what it means or how you do it. So again, we're going to talk today about what it means to keep your heart, and I'm going to tell my story. Now, I can tell you guys in telling my story, kind of like what Professor Tibbetts said, the comfortable thing to do is for me to want to come before you and tell you the things that are good. That's the easy part. I can want to tell you the fact that I'm the oldest child, that I'm from Louisiana, born and raised. I've been here for almost four years. 
Yeah. I could want to tell you that I'm married to an incredible man. We've been married for almost eight years. I have a great son. I'm an attorney. I'm licensed to practice law in Louisiana and Minnesota. I can tell you all of those things, but that's not what I'm going to do today. And I can tell you as I prepared for today and was getting my heart ready to come and let you guys know the true who I am, the essence of my background, I had little things telling me don't. Don't, you can't share, but I can tell you as I stood over there today, and as this group was up doing praise and worship, the, the people who were in the front, I saw two people crying. And that was my confirmation, you have to share. Because I know amongst, this, amongst you all, the student body, I know some of us are broken. I know that. So I can tell you this, everybody here doesn't know me, but when I'm done today, you guys will know me. And what will come from that is, it may be me sharing something that will make one of you say, oh, I know somebody else who has gone through that. Professor Burrell did. Let me go on over to Lethe Hall. It's not that far, despite what you guys think. And um, let me go on over to Lethe Hall, and I have somebody who I can talk to about what I've been through. So that is exactly what I um, will do as I share my story with you guys. Um, I can tell you also the quote that's written there is one that I think is very important for me. Um, your story of your life is not your life, it's your story. So if you can, rem for me, I can share these things with you guys, and I know that it doesn't define me in a negative way. I'm who God said I am, despite those things that I've been through. Because the reality is I wouldn't be who I am or where I am if it wasn't for those transformative things in my life. And I also like to look at it as this way. Your, 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 book, your life is a book. I often say that your life is a book. We know the chapters before us. To me, the victory is knowing I know the end. I know the, the last chapter. And to me, that, that overcomes every other chapter, whether it's a good chapter or, or a bad chapter, because the best chapter is the last chapter. So what I get to do in this period from today until God calls me home is I get to write those other chapters. So even if I have a bad chapter, that doesn't mean that the next chapter can't be a good chapter. So in telling you a little bit about myself, when most people share their story, they show pictures. My husband's going to kill me. He's here today. I appreciate him for my biggest cheerleader. So there's no way that I was going to speak today and he not be here. But I do have pictures. I think they already went by, right? So um, those pictures are a small pictures, but... We have one son, Grayson. That's a testimony in itself. Uh, Grayson just got four fish. That's what he's holding in that picture. Um, so I, and then the middle, middle picture is us. We went snow tubing to Grayson's snow tubing for the first time because he finally hit the 36-inch mark. And then the, the other picture was us at um, Sesame Street Live because, as my husband always says, when you have kids, it stops being about you and it becomes about them. So we're at Sesame Street Live, and that's my family. Um, I can tell you again, uh, Greg and I have been married now for almost eight years, and I can tell you guys, when I sat in your shoes as college students before I even knew Greg, I was praying for Greg because I knew that I wanted to have a husband, I wanted to have a life partner. And I can tell you in my story, that's not common. I, I tell Greg often my only example of a positive marriage growing up was the Cosby Show. And I mean that when I say it. That was my positive example of a marriage, the Cosby Show. Um, and, but I can tell you, again, not want to make him feel uncomfortable, but in every sense of a leader, a friend, he's my husband, my companion, uh, my biggest cheerleader, I can tell you he is not a licensed minister, but he's a theologian in my eyes. He's very studied. Uh, if I have a question, I know I can go to him. So I, I 
Thank you for making it easy for me to follow you. It's easy for me to follow, um, to, to let him be, have him as the head because I know who's the head of his life. So that makes it easy for me and I appreciate that um, for you. <clears throat> so as I'm sharing my story, I'm gonna tell you guys about childhood, college, faith, North Central, I'm gonna share all of that with you guys. I even told Greg, I said, you might learn something new today. <clears throat> I'll start off by telling you my background. <clears throat> so my parents were teenagers. My parents were 17-year-old high school students when I was born. I was born that December, they graduated that May. My parents were never married um, to one another. And all of the effects that you can assume happens when you have a teenage par parent not an absolute, but the presumption is exactly what happened with my life. So again, my mom was 17. Uh, we, the welfare system, I, I experienced that. But I can tell you as a kid, I never felt like I was missing out on anything. Anything I needed, my mom provided. Everything we needed, she, she made sure that it was there. But when you talk about little things as I go through my life, and it's not up until I am in my 20s that I realize that some of the experiences or inexperiences thereof from my childhood maybe scarred me just a little bit, whether or not I try to be tough <clears throat> and have this hard shell and not, a, and not a say that. But I can tell you, to give you one example, <clears throat> I, in my 30-something years, my mother, I've never, I can never remember my mom or dad telling me that they love me. I know I have never in my, I can tell you in my 30s, my, I've hugged my mom and it's because I'm initiating that. But I can't ever remember hugging my mom and dad ever up until my 30s and me initiating a hug with my mom. Um, I can tell you that my dad has been on and off of drugs my entire life. Um, when I tell you every milestone in my life that you can think of, my dad was not there. So when I meet people who hear my story, they say, well, your parents must be proud. And I say, oh, I'm sure. Uh, my dad missed high school graduation, college graduation, law school graduation, wedding, and then the birth of my child. And I can tell you for my husband, it was the first time that it hit home for him because he called my dad to tell him, you have a grandson, congratulations. Just wanna let you know, your daughter, you know, your grandson and your daughter, they're safe. And my husband basically said, I just, he, he didn't give the reaction that I wanted. I'm like, that's okay. I can't, I can't let those things define me. So when we're talking about guarding your heart, we're gonna get to a point where we're gonna talk about what it means. But I want you to remember some of the stories. I could be bitter. I could be angry at my dad. What's that gonna prove? Nothing. Uh, so I choose to not be that way. I can tell you also, I'm on the board of directors at People Serving People here. Uh, it's one of the most comprehensive homeless shelters in, um, in the state. And so I'm at People Serving People having lunch with the CEO and I have a moment that I had never had before. And I tell him, he can see it in my face and he's like, are you okay? I said, you know, we don't have programs like this in Louisiana. And as I sit here and I am having lunch, I realize that this could have been me. Because you see, in fifth grade, we moved in with my grandparents and we lived there for two and a half years. So I say to him, were we homeless at that point? And if my mom didn't have her parents, where would we have gone? As I'm sitting in people serving people and seeing cycles, I'm seeing a teenage mom with her baby and her mother is also there. So how my mom could go to her, grand to her parents or my grandparents 
I'm looking at this girl here who couldn't go to her parents because her parent is also homeless. Or the person who can't go to their parents because they were sexually abused by their dad. So they're not speaking to their parents. These issues are real. So I, in that moment, I have this connection and it hits home for me on another level. But again, I will say this. Despite my childhood, I feel like I had everything that I needed. My mom, I grew up in a Southern Baptist church. I, I feel like I had everything that I needed. But one thing I can say is different. Most of you who are here, probably college was not an option. You're going to college, the question is just where. College was very much so an option for me. And I'll tell you how much of an option it was. First of all, I will say this. Now I can share this and say, oh, I finished college debt free and it sounds great. But the truth is I finished college debt free because I did not know about student loans. Thank you, Lord, I didn't know. And I had a mother who told me, well, I see that you keep getting all of this mail from these colleges. I'm not sure how you're gonna go because I can't pay for it. That's what she said. And I know she didn't mean it in an ill way, but my answer to her was, I don't know either, but I'll figure it out. So that's the kind of thing. I can remember telling my mom one Saturday that I needed a ride to take the uh, ACT. We take the ACT there. And um, she basically said, and that was her answer, you know, you keep getting these letters from these colleges. You keep taking this test. I can't pay for college. And I was basically kind of with a little attitude, I didn't ask you to pay for college, I'll figure it out. So in my mind, I knew I have to figure this out. I knew that Louisiana has a program called TOPS. So I knew that I had to stay in the state because in order for you to get that money, you need a certain ACT score and you must stay in the state. So I worked to get that ACT score and I decided I'm leaving. I'm going as far away as I can. I, may, I can't leave the state, but I can leave this New Orleans area. And I ended up going to college in northern Louisiana, four hours away, because that was my way of getting away. Also, I'll share a story of a friend who, uh, her grandmother, at this point, I'm saying we moved in with my grandparents, so it's six of us in a three-bedroom. That's really not that bad. But I have a friend who, I'm not kidding you guys, it was a two-bedroom, and it was 15 people in that two-bedroom. And I always tried to figure out how in the world are they making this work? And I, I would always go there um, with them because this, was, again, was my friend. Um, her grandmother said to me when I said that I was leaving to go to college, why? Why? Why are you doing that? And I, I said, well, what do you mean, why? And she said, you're just wasting your time and your money. You'll be back like everybody else. And I said to her in that moment, I said, well, Miss Louise, I'm not everybody else. I'll, if I come back, it'll be with a degree in hand. So as she said that, I start thinking, and I'm thinking about everybody around, and she's right. Down to my aunt who's six years older than me. She left, went to college, came back a year later. I could have let those things discourage me. I'm telling you, there's so many parts of my story that I can just simply tell you, but God, but God. And that is the way that I look at it. So I can tell you when I look back at this story with Miss Louise, she ended up dying when I was in college. I wanted nothing less than to go back and say, see, I told you that I could do it. But I look back this many years later, like I said, my, my mom was a teenage mom. So my friend, her name was Latoya as well, ironically, whose grandmother, Miss Louise, told me that I would be back. I look at my friend Latoya, who she, her mom was a teenage mom, and then she also became a teenage mom. So without even telling my age, I can tell you guys that I have a lot of friends and people who I grew up with who are grandmothers now. 
because they were teenage mothers and then their teenagers have become teenage mothers. They're grandmothers and that's real. And so when you talk about a cycle, when you talk about wanting to do better, when you talk about wanting to go and experience more, but you have somebody telling you you can't, when you have the odds telling you you can't, those things are hard to overcome, but they are not impossible to overcome. That's the more important thing. So I, I always believe when you're sharing a story, you should meet people where they are. I learned this lesson when I was in law school and we had a nonprofit organization called LACE, um, Language, Art, Character, and uh, Education. And we worked with junior high girls in the neighborhood. And so here we are, it, it was a group of minority law students working with minority um, junior high girls because the idea was we, we, we knew our upbringing and we wanted to let them know, we wanted to be that you can do it for these students. So we had a slumber party for them and I'm at the slumber party and these girls put on like old rap music, like old New Orleans rap music that was from when I was in junior high school. So at this point, I'm 10 years out of junior high school and they had this rap music on. So I walk in the room and I said, what do you guys know about this music? And one of them said to me, what do you know about this music? <laughs> and then I'm like, wait a minute, what do you mean what do I know about this music? This song is like old, an old song. I know this song. So then she tells me, you don't know this song. You probably come from a home with two parents. You probably have this, you probably have that. And in that moment, I realized that what I was doing with those girls was in vain if I didn't tell them my story. So in that moment, I had to say, no, let me tell you, I'm you. I know this song. I know your neighborhood. I know your mom. I know your dad. I know that story because that is my story. And when I shared that story, that allowed them to open up to me more. So with that being said, I can't just tell you guys again where I am now. I have to tell you the story from when I sat in your shoes. For one, I know you guys don't wanna hear this, but your opportunity to come to chapel every day is a blessing. Let me let you know, it's a blessing. The opportunity for you to have faculty and staff who not only care about you, but you can pray with, that is a big deal. For me in college, for me to get this, I had to go off campus to the Campus Foundation Ministries for me to get this. In fact, what I, what I encountered during my freshman orientation was a professor who was a proclaimed atheist witch, I know that sounds crazy, but it's real, who told us in orientation before the Plan B pill even hit the market, so um, this is life, People can tell you to not have sex, but you guys will because you're human. And she was a feminist also. So she said, it's not fair that the men get away with it. So what I'm telling to you female students today is, if you find yourself pregnant, I can get you to Plan B pill, come to me and let me know. That was told to me my first week of college. My mother would have been really upset had she known that that was the advice or the message that was sent to me. I started off my first semester of college. A lot of you probably saw that movie, God Is Not Dead. That's real, that happened to me my first semester of college. Had a paper, I get excited about my philosophy class because we have the Bible and we have other literary uh, books and sources that we were reading. And we had, have a compare and contrast paper at the end where you have to talk about the pros from both Plato's the way things uh, were, the Bible, and then at the end you take a stance. Go through my paper, it's check, check, check. At the end, B plus, you've gotta be kidding me. This is the craziest thing I've ever heard. You can't possibly believe this. That happened. 
That's real. And let me tell you, that's still happening in colleges, on college campuses across America. So you guys have such a privilege of being able to be here. Um, I'll tell you two more things about my college story. One that, again, I have never told nobody this except Greg and one aunt. My, my mom doesn't know this. I have not told anybody this, so you guys are about to learn something new because I have a feeling that it can help somebody. So when you hear stories about rape and date rape, it's real. Sometimes you, you hear stories about things and you can't relate to them if you don't know a person who's gone through it or who has experienced it. I can tell you the most horrific thing you can do is be quiet and feel embarrassed and feel ashamed and feel that it's your fault and you don't tell anybody. Those things impact you. And I can tell you, even down to my first date with my now husband, he maybe has not made the correlation, but on our first date, Greg, did you pick me up? No, because I wouldn't let him. He didn't know that. You could talk about guarding your heart. In my opinion, I was protecting myself because of things that had happened before when I was in college with someone who I trusted, someone who you pick me up, we go to get food, and I'm thinking I'm safe, but I'm not. Um, I'll relate that when we're talking about guarding your heart um, briefly, but I can tell you, our first date, Greg tried, he wanted to take me out, and I would always make excuses until the convenience of me saying, I'll meet you there. And the idea was, I don't need him to know where I live. I don't know him. I, even though we had been talking on the phone, like, I'll meet you there. You don't need to pick me up. So those are the kind of things that you have to uh, be able to share with people because you can't help someone going through it if they don't know what you've been through. Um, I think the other big part of my college career that I like to share is when we're talking about um, the, the things that you worry about. I can tell you guys, when I was 18 to 22, my college career, I didn't have basic insurance. I didn't have insurance because throughout my life, I was on Medicaid. Medicaid cuts you off at 18, and I'm not kidding you guys. Between 18 through 22, I feel like everything happened. I discovered a lump in my breast on my own, and, but I'm scared because I don't have insurance, so I'm, I don't know what to do. Everything that you can think of went wrong, in my opinion, in those four years. I can say but God to that too. Uh, so I end up going to this place called Mary Bird Perkins Cancer Center. It was benign nonetheless, but they were able to treat me through that. But I can tell you guys so many stories and so many things down to my marriage, down to Grayson's, my, son's being, my son being born. Uh, when we decided that we, okay, we were ready for kids, it just didn't happen like that. Somebody said it just I think yesterday in chapel, you, you always tell people, oh, well, what are you waiting for to have kids? Oh, you should have another baby. And I say now, my first one is a miracle. My first one is a blessing because you don't know people's stories. You, and it's so often. And so guess what? When I started sharing that story, I quickly had other women to tell me, I have that too. But I can tell you, most of my friends who have it too don't have kids yet. So my husband and I, we always say, Grayson is our miracle. If, if God sees fit for us to have another, great. If not, thank you, Lord, for the one son that we have, because I know that he was a blessing. I know that he was a gift from God. I know. I know this. Um, the last thing that I want to talk about in my story, before um, circling back in the last five minutes, is how I found North Central, or how North Central found me. So some of you may know this story already. 
So we, I live literally like a half a mile away down the street. And my husband, who has the worst sense of directions ever, says, I know a new way home. I want to show you. So I'm like, all right, whatever. It's daytime. If he gets lost, I can get us home. I'll figure this out. So he gets off and he says, I made the wrong turn. He intended to get off on the 11th, it's 11th F and 11th Street. He gets off and I said, no big deal. I can get us home, make a right. So we're driving by. I tell you guys, it went in slow motion. I was like, did you know there was a university here? He's like, no. I said, neither did I. I wonder if they're hiring. At that point, I had been doing adjunct and on my heart really wanted a full-time teaching position, which rarely don't, they don't come open. We get home, I look it up, I say, Greg, you would never believe this. It's a Christian university and they have a posting for a full-time business law professor. <laughs> that is crazy. And I said to him, I'm applying. Other things you can say, let's pray about it, let's think about it. I said, I'm applying. So Bill, you may not remember, but my application came in on a Sunday. I said, I'm applying today. I believe that that is my job. This, that is crazy. So I, I talk about it as the wrong turn, turn right. So that it was. It was the wrong turn that turned right. He made a wrong turn. It's right. I'm here now. So Chris, can we put up the slide just about the, uh, the fruits of the spirit? So... This is actually the screensaver on my phone. If you ever come in my office, these nine words are written on a chalkboard. They've been there since I started. So when we talk about guarding your heart, really, it's not a complicated formula. Guarding your heart, your heart, faith, emotions, all of those things are related. If you want to know, if someone says to me, how do you guard your heart? I tell you this, the fruits of the spirit. Because one thing that I can tell you for sure is, if you're not operating in this sense, you create issues with your heart. So I can tell you that what should you not be doing is the opposite of what's here. Hate, it says love. So if you're hating, so if you are hating someone for any reason, if I'm hating my dad for being absent, if I'm hating someone for cutting me off in traffic, if I'm hating someone because they don't look the way that I look, if I'm hating someone because they don't have the same religious beliefs that I do, that's not love. So I can take the time to go through every one of these in the interest of time, I won't. But joy, if I'm just sad, I'm angry, I'm bitter about something, I'm not operating in joy. If I have things that are just weighing on me, I'm not at peace. I can go through all of these love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I can tell you, when I tell you how do you guard your heart, it's simple. You, it's, I say it's simple, it's simple, that's it. But actually doing these things, I know, is not as simple. So I can tell you that um, there's more slides. One slide talks about how do you keep your heart. I say you be intentional, you be faithful, and you acknowledge God in all things. That's how you keep your heart. I'm going to read Proverbs, and then I want to end. So we'll go to like 852 because I do want to play this little video that helps me. Proverbs 3, 5, 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. So I will tell you that if you want to be able to guard your heart properly, you think of pure things. Philippians 4, 8 tells you, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellence, uh, and commendable. If there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. <clears throat> that is what I want you guys to know. But I can tell you, I want to play this little short three-minute video. I play this video often. 
When I have to be reminded of how do I guard my heart? Why should I walk in the fruit of the spirit? Despite everything I've been through, I know what the final chapter of my book is. Why do I remain positive? And it's a Priscilla Schreier clip where she talks about who's her daddy. And when I tell you guys that bring it home for me, that brings it home. So Chris, can we play that short little three minute video? Thank you guys for staying. In closing, I think that the biggest thing is there's importance in guarding your heart. How do you do it? You be intentional, you meditate on Galatians 5, and you make sure that you're operating under the fruits of the Spirit. I love you guys. This is home. And I pray that God will give you guys the strength, the courage, the wisdom, the discernment, 
and just the focus and vision to be able to live out those fruits. Thank you guys, have a great day.